following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. So many Christians that I've talked to are choosing to live however they want to. They know what the Bible says. They just choose to ignore it. Whether it's, whether it's getting drunk or having sex out of marriage or having affairs or, or doing drugs or whatever it might be. Christians that I talk to choose to ignore God and what he wants of us. But then many of those same people often complain that God never seems to show up in their lives. But then I often ask, have you read your Bible recently? No, they haven't, they reply, or maybe occasionally. But the Bible is the word of God. The Bible is not just about God. It is the word of God. It is that the Bible is full of everything that God thought was important enough for us to know. Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. I might ask them, do you ever pray? And they'll say, no, or maybe just when I need something. But God is not a magic genie. When we rub our hands together three times, he responds in prayer. That's not how God works. God's not actually obligated to respond to us at all. How do you parents feel when your kids never thank you for anything but continually ask you for everything? And then we go to the Father in heaven, and the only time he hears from us is when we ask him for something. That's not a relationship. Do you genuinely turn your heart toward God and humble yourself before God and speak to him? Psalm 145, verse 18, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. I might ask them, do you ever meditate on the things of God? Do you ever ponder the deep things of God? No, I'm too busy. Or no, that's kind of weird. I love Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. You see, the crux of the matter is this. You cannot decide to live against God in your heart and then expect the Lord to bless you. Someone has said it this way, while salvation requires faith, blessings require obedience. Hebrews 11.6, anyone who comes to me must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The key word there is earnestly so often people are looking for the reward without the earnestly seeking him part. Again, this if in principle holds true, doesn't it? If you seek him, then you will, then he will reward you. Remember what Jesus said? The people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The Lord says, come to me, draw near to me, believe in me. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Unfortunately, most people are living busy lives. I understand it. Busy working, providing for their families, paying their bills, going to the various activities that occupy our time. 
We get so consumed with the world, with the stress of the world, with the entertainments of this world that we simply do not invest in our relationship to God. Even though I'm technically paid to do ministry, my challenge is just like your challenge. Do I set aside time each day to seek after God? Do I seek after God in my heart? It always comes back to this. Are you genuinely and sincerely seeking after God? You see, drawing near to God is not a physical act. Drawing near to God is not a work that you perform as a religious duty. Just because you show up here to church doesn't mean you're drawing near to God. Just because you do good things for people doesn't mean you're drawing near to God. Drawing near to God and seeking after Him is an invisible act of the heart when you turn your heart toward Him. When you desire, desire the things of God, when you want the things of God in your life. Therefore, you can draw near to God when you're standing still. Or if you happen to find yourself lying in a hospital bed, you can draw near to God. Or maybe standing on the sidelines, watching your kids play sport, you can draw near to God. Maybe even sitting in the church listening to some guy speak on stage, you can draw near to God. Drawing near to God is not moving from one place to another. It's redirecting your heart toward the presence of God. I love the words of Psalm 42. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When, when can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? By day the, the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will be, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Is your heart and your soul thirsting for God? Well, I want to take a look at this second part of the principle. So if you seek God, then you will find Him. What does it mean to find God? When we do find God, what will be different? You might be asking that today. Why should I even want to find God? Maybe you're asking, if I do find God, how's it going to make a difference in my life? Well, when you find God, you will discover that things start to change in your life. And one of the first things that change that changes is your perspective. Your perspective begins to change. God will transform how you think about life and the circumstances in your life and the things that are going on in your life. You will also find more fruit of the Spirit in your life. You'll find that you're more filled with love and joy and peace and all the fruit of the spirits. You'll find that you are more committed to what God is doing rather than what you perceive that he may not be doing. You will also become more aware of what God is doing in the world around you. You'll become more aware that God is in your daily life. And when you seek God and you find him, you will begin to seek God more in your daily life. 
And the reality is that God is at work around you regardless of whether or not you're paying attention to it. Regardless of whether or not you see God at work, He is at work in our world. He's at work throughout our world, working to reconcile people unto Himself. He desires that we would all come to Him and seek after Him. Our problem, most of the time, is we simply aren't paying attention. We struggle to live daily with an awareness of what God is doing around us. Yet, when we come near to God and start to live with the awareness of that God is at work, we will discover that God also invites us to participate with Him in His work. You see, finding God doesn't always mean you'll have this big, dramatic experience. Sometimes, Finding God is that still small voice that speaks into your life with all the noise that surrounds you. It is simply being more attuned to His presence and more aware of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. We can find God in unexpected places. We can find God at work. We can find God in the office or at school. We can find God when we're speaking to our neighbors. We can find God in the stories that our kids share with us. Maybe at the gym. These places and spaces become areas where we can discern God's presence and His work in the world around us. See, God has more in store for your life than just doing something for Him. He wants you to be with Him. He wants you. He longs to to be involved with your day-to-day life. God wants to be a part of your life. Not just an afterthought in your life. John 17 verse 3 says, Eternal life is knowing God. Not just knowing about God, but actually knowing God. Finding God is about adjusting and refocusing your life to Him. But when I'm absorbed with myself and the things that I want and the things that I need to get, and the attention all revolves around me, doing things my way, everything references me, it's pretty difficult to find God. But when you find Him, you will know. You will know. God treats each one of us as unique children. None of us as Christians are are cookie-cutter Christians. God doesn't respond the same way to each person. God often encounters one person this way and another person that way. Perhaps finding God for you is is seeing his majesty in creation. A sunset, the wildflowers, even a baby's cry. Maybe it's appreciating the peace of God in the midst of an intensely tense situation that you're a part of. Sometimes it might be before you enter a difficult meeting. And you say a prayer and and God shows up and that meeting is more positive than you thought. Or maybe it goes in a different direction. Robert Weber says this. He says, we do not have to live in a monastery to experience God's embrace. The spiritual life is not an escape from life, but an affirmation of God's way of life in in the struggles we meet in our present thought, in our personal thoughts, in the relationships we have with our family, among our neighbors, at work, and in our leisure. The Christian life is an embodied life. It affirms that all of life belongs to God. If you seek God, it is only then that you will find Him. It is only 
It is only then that your perspective begins to change. It is only then that you will experience the reality of God in your daily life. And you know, for me, often, uh, often in the day, I'll pray for God to make me aware of what he's doing and where he's at work and also how he's invited me to be a part of what he's doing. And I've had some incredible encounters with people that could have only been orchestrated by God. However, in those times when I know my heart is not set towards God, when I'm not fully oriented towards God, somehow I seem to rarely see God around me. When you seek God and find Him, those seemingly random coincidences turn into God moments and God opportunities. You see, just because we are not paying attention does not mean God is not at work around you. Well, I think uh, people often look at us pastors and think, well, the stories we tell don't really relate to real life. So this morning, rather than me telling you another story, I've actually invited a real person up to share a story. So Jeff, will you come up? Jeff and I have gotten to know each other pretty well recently. We love to share about the Word of God and what He's doing in our lives. And so, Jeff, why don't you introduce yourself? So I'm going to share with you a work story. Um, this occasion, going back to probably early 2018, maybe even late 2017, I can't remember the exact date, but a couple of my team members were at a domestic uh, incident, we call them family harm episodes these days. Um, forgive me if I use a bit of police jargon, uh, I'll try not to. Um, they were there, they were dealing with this uh, young man, and they called for backup because things were escalating out of their ability to handle the situation. Um, I and a number of other officers turned up, and things de-escalated, and everyone else left, and it was just me and these two left there. And then things escalated again, and we had to arrest this guy. And um, he was, here's some police jargon, a violent struggle ensued. It wasn't a, you know, I wasn't hospitalised or anything like that. But it was a reasonable assault, and so he was charged also with assaulting a police officer, being me. So in the court documents, I was listed as the victim. I then just went off to another incident. He was bundled off to the police station to be processed, and... Um, and, you know, the shift carried on, and I didn't give it much thought, apart from just a dissatisfying feeling of ending something on that note with somebody. It's just not, not pleasant, but it's just the way it worked out. Anyway, the usual process for someone like him is that he'd go to court. He'd enter a plea either way, guilty or not guilty, go in front of a judge, receive whatever sentence the judge feels is, is necessary. Um, courts are very much focused on rehabilitation, and these days, it, you know, it's... There's been a huge amount of progress, and it's um, it's really satisfying to see the courts really looking towards rehabilitation. And the usual process: court, plea, sentencing. Um, but on this occasion, uh, a different process was brought to bear. There's a, there's a totally different sort of way of looking at it. Um, the restorative justice process. Um, it's sort of a way of diverting uh, somebody from the usual court system. Uh, and it enables the victim and an offender to meet together in a, on neutral turf, talk it out and see where it leads, see if some healing and, and uh, reparation can be made and um, see if there's any, you know, um, any way of resolving things without it having to go back in front of a judge uh, and be resolved that way. So in my 16 years in the police, I've never been to a restorative justice conference, despite being the victim of a number of assaults over the years. This was the first time, and I don't know anyone else who's been to a restorative justice conference either. Usually people just go and get sentenced. But the prosecutor who was handling this case appealed to me through a lengthy email about the progress this guy was making, 
another person had approached the prosecutor and just shared some insight into how this guy was doing and could we look at restorative justice. Now, I'm a Christian, what am I going to say? Yes, of course. That's exactly what, you know, that's our mindset. That's what we're trying to achieve. So the difficulty came because I'm a shift worker and I had this mentality that I'm going to do this on work time. So the facilitators for the restorative justice process were trying to pin down a date with me and I was sending them back when I was available and it looked more and more like I was going to have to go in on a day off. And I was trying to avoid that and I sort of, I felt the prompting that, you know, it's the right thing to do and there's an opportunity there. And I try, you know, Randall's been talking about trying to see God at work and now and again, I do try and turn my mind that way and see where God's at work and what I can do to be a part of it. And I knew, I knew there was a little bit of a, you know, in the backside for me that I needed to do this. And I ended up committing to going in on a day off. Um, really, it was just being obedient, I think. I, I knew then that I kind of had to do it. So prior to the meeting, um, I prayed that I would see what God's doing and why I'm meant to be there and hopefully if, if there's anything I can do to be a good Christian, I'll try and do it. Um, and I, I actually, um, on the way, I went to either pick up or drop off a bike to um, Jason Goodson at Gearheads and I mentioned it to him as well and he's like, wow, cool, great opportunity, I'll pray for you. And so, you know, it's all sort of building up to it. And, and um, so my mindset was good and my heart was in the right place. And we turn up to the meeting, and this guy's there with his partner, um, who he was having the friction with on the night, and they're holding hands and they're together. And I, so straight away I can see this guy's making some seriously good progress. This is a really good sign. The restorative justice meetings, the conferences, are quite a rigid process. The facilitators basically encourage the person to really apologise and make amends, and they really encourage the victim to talk about the impact it's had on them and their feelings, so the person can really understand that. Um, and, and right at the start of the process, um, God dropped a big hint for me. They said, would anyone like to open with a karakia? And I thought, okay, I can do prayers, yep, maybe that's, maybe that's my moment. Um, I certainly can't, you know, say a karakia in te reo, um, but I can pray. But it just, we hadn't talked it through yet, and it wasn't quite right, but it was a big hint. Um, God was helping me out <laughs> big time here with, with what's going to happen. So anyway, we talked it through, he had his turn, he apologised, um, and then he sort of finished and, uh, you know, over the, all the years of talking with people, I knew he, that he wanted to say more. There was lots more there under the surface and his kind of opportunity to talk had finished and I just sort of said to the facilitators, look, you know, this, we don't need to be rigid here. And I said to the guy, just, just say what's on your mind, man, I, you know, I, I want to hear it. So he just started talking about that night a bit more, what he was going through, all of the pressures and stresses that were going on in his life, the challenges he and his partner were facing. And it just, it really just invited me into his story and understood what he'd been going through. And then I also invited him to talk about what's happened between then and now and the progress he'd made and, and what they've been up to. And he talked about the, the courses they've been doing and the the way that they now are able to manage conflict better. But he also started talking about his home life and the fact that he's got, they've got a few of their own kids. They've also got other kids coming into their home who stay with them from time to time and they, that they're caring for, um, whose parents, you know, at any given time weren't able to be caring for them and they're sort of coming into his home. So this is a guy who's, you know, had a stressful night. Um, prior to that, he didn't have any convictions and life had just 
just really built up on him. But he was trying to be a good father and a good partner and a good provider and a good caregiver. And my heart just, I just, you know, I just identified with him. Because I'm a dad, I'm a husband, it's hard. And he was finding it a whole lot harder than me. And, um, and right at the end, I, I said to, um, you know, we'd all finished talking and I said, can I end with a prayer? You know, that was my little, um, my little hint that was dropped right at the start there. And everyone nodded and said, yeah, yeah, that's cool, that's cool. And I said to the guy, mate, can I pray for you and your, your family? Um, because I, I thought, well, how can I close this meeting with a prayer? What can I say? You know, I'm not going to, am I going to convert this guy? What's going to happen? I don't know. But I just said, can I pray for you, mate? And he's like, yeah, that'd be great. And I just prayed for him as a dad, as a, as a husband, um, as a, uh, a provider and carer for the children and them as a couple, and just that there would be love in their home, security and safety for the children. Um, and that God would just give them just love and their family and, and peace. That's yeah, just, you know, that's just what I wanted for him and that's just the words that came out. And, and I, I can't remember if it was before that or after that, I just said to the guy, look, you know, I really believe that that prayer has, has power, mate, because there's a loving God listening. And left it there. I have a great appreciation for Jeff. When we're all sleeping late at night, he's out doing the job of keeping us safe. But uh, Jeff said to me one time that, when he was young, he started out uh, hoping he could change the world, you know, as we do. But uh, what do you say now that uh, you just think that you have opportunities to maybe change the trajectory of the arrow slightly? And I think that's what I'm talking about when God invites us to be a part of what he's doing. Oftentimes for, for Reuben or any of the ministry staff, we kind of get to see the finished work of lots of people adjusting the direction of the arrow slightly, you know and making those adjustments where God uses each one of us. And I, I do believe that God takes us as Christians and, and um, wants us to participate in, in what he's doing and, and lines up opportunities for us. But we do have to be willing as well, as Jeff says. Uh, can I take a moment and just pray for you? Lord, I just thank you for Jeff and the work that he does as a police officer. And I just pray that you'll, first of all, just protect him and his crew and just look after them. But Lord... Uh, in the midst of all the things that go on in the policing world and all the things that Jeff has to deal with and that side of life that a lot of us don't have to deal with. Lord, I pray that you'll continue to, continue to use him and just continually give him opportunities to speak your word into people's lives and, and just to take those opportunities to give him your courage and your wisdom and your strength to, to step into those times when God gives him those open doors. Lord, we're thankful for all that you do. Thank you for Jeff and his work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.